0: first reading today, we see God's great love for us. We see God forming man out of the dust of the earth and breathing into his nostrils the breath of life. So he's poured out everything, you know, you've got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, They, this eternal exchange of love, and this love that they have for each other pours out um, upon Adam and Eve. And so this is great love and you know you can eat of any any of the trees in the garden except for this one and we know what happens it's the great tragedy of humanity we see adam and eve they've been given this great gift of love from uh, from god and they turn away from that love and it's just it's it's an interesting thing you know they said you know the devil says you know he knows that you're not going to die you're going to be like gods and they're tempted by this oh you're going to be like gods they're already like god they're made in the image of god remember that they were formed, they were made into the image and likeness of god they're already like god and so they're they're just they're tricked you know and they fall because they're tempted towards themselves rather than giving of themselves to the lord and so they're they've fallen and humanity is forever changed through this sin of Adam. Then we hear, fast forward to the second reading today, this beautiful um, reading from St. Paul, in which he says, Just as through the disobedience of one man all were made sinners, so through the obedience of Jesus Christ all were made righteous. So Jesus reverses this. But the way Jesus does this Isn't just with the snap of his fingers. Jesus allowed himself to be tempted by the devil. He allowed himself to suffer. Why did he do this? My contention today is that Jesus allowed himself to go through temptation and suffering because he loves us. Remember who Jesus is He is God. He could snap his fingers, and the devil could disintegrate into a million pieces. There would be no more hunger. There would be no more doubt, no more injustice, and no more suffering. Let me explain. If he changes the stones to bread, no more hunger for Jesus. If he performs a stunt at the center of the Jewish world, that's the temple. That was the second temptation, remember? Bringing him to the parapet of the temple. And if he jumps off and he's caught by angels, everybody's going to see that, and everybody's going to believe him in all the words that he says. No more doubt. And if all the kingdoms of the world were his, that last temptation, he would rule them with justice and peace. Not only would Jesus be fed, but everyone would be fed, everyone would believe, and everyone would live in peace. And suddenly we found ourselves knee-deep in the problem of evil. You know the problem of evil. It's it's basically this we have a good God he's all powerful so why is there still suffering in the world that's a problem right there do you remember that famous photograph that won the Pulitzer Prize Uh, back in the 1990s it's a it's this yeah very heart-wrenching photograph of a dying child in Sudan and there's a vulture in the background waiting looking We might be saying to ourselves when we see a picture like that, Lord, snap your fingers. Make this suffering go away. But we don't need to go as far as Sudan to see suffering. We can find it right here, in this community right here. We can look in our own families and see children straying from the Catholic faith, led away by false teachings, or even just convenience. And that is suffering for so many parents to know that their sons and daughters are going after an illusory false happiness they're hurting themselves have you ever thought this lord why don't you just give them a miracle why don't you just do something supernatural and then they will believe you and finally those corrupt governments on one side of the world you have governments killing journalists who expose their corrupt practices and on the other side You have a government allowing the killing of innocent children, allowing abortion up to the point of birth, and calling it reproductive rights. Lord, why don't you be in charge of all the governments? And then injustice would be a thing of the past. Stop the suffering. Stop the doubt. These are good prayers, as long as we also have the prayer of Jesus embedded in our hearts that prayer that says thy will be done if we don't we are just like peter when he rebuked jesus for predicting his own suffering and death remember this it's this scene right after peter makes his great confession to the lord um and and jesus says yeah i'm I'm going to be um, dying i'm gonna i'm gonna suffer and then i'm going to die and then i'll rise after three days and then peter says god forbid lord no such thing shall ever happen to you Do you remember what jesus says to him get behind me satan when satan offered jesus food fame and power he was telling him to stop the suffering and stop the doubt in a way that was contrary to the father's will jesus said no there will come a day there will come a day when every tear will be wiped from the eyes of those who stay with jesus to the end but right now there's a lot of suffering Jesus has not stopped it. Rather, he went through it in the desert and on the cross to show us how much of himself he will give to us. He gave all of himself to us. Every last bit. And he did it joyfully, too. How could he do that joyfully, going through the desert and on the cross joyfully? Well, it's because because he saw your face as he did it and you are totally worth it. You can see why he called Peter Satan. Satan wants to stop Jesus from giving himself completely to us. He also wants to stop us from giving ourselves completely to him. That's why there's still suffering in this world. It's there for us to embrace and offer to Jesus, to show him how much we love him. In the months leading up to her death, St. Therese of the Child Jesus said, "'All suffering is sweet to me.'" Now, if you know her story, you know that's just a mind-boggling thing to say because she had tuberculosis. And she lived in a time period where the medicine was not advanced. And sometimes the things they did to try to cure her were worse than the disease itself. She was intensely physically suffering. And then, not only that, she had intense spiritual suffering, too. Temptations to doubt. Temptations to doubt. And so, all of these sufferings, and and yet she could still say, all suffering is sweet to me. The reason why she said that was because she offered her suffering as a gift to the Lord. Because love looks like this freely offering everything to Jesus, especially our suffering. There's no sweeter gift you can offer to God than your suffering. So many other religions of the world want to minimize and destroy suffering. I include American consumerism in this list of religions. And, I mean, I I think everybody here can agree that the majority of tv commercials that we see are about reducing suffering and increasing comfort but that's not what the lord asks us to do he doesn't want us to pursue comfort he wants us to pursue him and then so now we've we're in what, what are we in right now we're in the the, the 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 season of lent where we freely take on penances like giving up sweets or taking on spiritual practices that take time out of our lives like reading the bible and I say this, and I also want to say this, too. Um, St. Paul does say in, the, in one of his uh, letters, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're just drinking water. He's talking to, to a community that's being really, um, um, they're, they're not rejoicing. And they're just kind of just being very, very penitential. And, and he says, have a little wine. He says that. you Just have a little wine. You're having too much water. Drink a little bit. So yes, there's a time for rejoicing, but now is not that time. Right now it's Lent to offer our suffering to God. If the ashes on our foreheads mean anything to us, we will make moderate Lenten promises which help us to conform our lives to the cross, and then we're going to try our best to keep them. And for those of us who hate to fail... And we're going to get up quickly after we fall because the devil loves to see us on the ground beating ourselves up and not getting back up. So that's what we do. When, When we fail at our Lenten promises, we get back up quickly and we just keep going. What's at stake in fulfilling our Lenten promises? What's at stake in embracing the suffering of this liturgical season? It's loving Jesus more. Remember who he is. He's the one who was obedient to the point of death to make us righteous after we turned away from God. He allowed himself to go through temptation and suffering because he loves us who fail at loving him. So I, I hope you can see the point. The point isn't that, you know, Jesus sees the suffering, you know, Adam, you know, sins and, and or Adam and Eve sin and then, and then Jesus just kind of uh, a hero, is just a hero who just takes everything away, takes the suffering away and he says, well, this is the love I have for you. No, it's not just that, although he does that. But he's a hero who wants to give us the love that he has for us. So he enters the suffering, he enters the condition, the human condition of suffering, and gives us everything. And then he says, and I want you to have that love too. So here it is. Come with me into the desert. As I saw your face and said, you are worth it on the way to the cross and in the desert. I want you to see my face too and give me everything that you've got. He saw each of our faces when he took on the devil in the desert for 40 days and when he took on the cross. Now it's our turn to see his face, to enter willingly into our desert with him and offer everything to him who has given everything to us.